I'm Ben Davies, and this is The Clear Money Mindset. Budgeting is how you reach all your money goals. You know, that's a, that's a fourth point. It, it really is. No matter what your goals are with money, a budget will get you there. It's the foundation for really making these dreams a reality. Welcome to The Clear Money Mindset, providing you with help and tips to manage your money in a clear and intentional way. I'm your host and financial advisor, Ben Davies. At Davies Financial Sterling Mutuals, we want to provide you with meaningful tips to help you with your money. There are a lot of resources out there to help people with their day-to-day money management. There are countless books on budgeting and a hundred different ways to go about it. Well, one of those ways or systems that has gained a lot of traction over the years is the Ramsey Solution Baby Steps program. Today we are talking with Phil Medler. He is a coach for Ramsey Solutions and he will be walking us through why a budget is important and how to follow the baby step plan. There are many ways to go about budgeting and we're not putting this out there as the only plan that works, but many who have followed it have had some really good success. So on our podcast, we've talked a lot in the past about budgeting the reasons why we should and looking at money as a finite resource helps us to reach our goals and live out our values. And much of this has been centered around budgeting tools and software. Today, we're going to talk about how. Um, I'm chatting with a good friend, Phil Medler. He's a certified coach with Ramsey Solutions, and he's helped a lot of people walk through the Dave Ramsey baby step process and find financial freedom. Uh, Phil, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. My pleasure. So you have you have a bit of a diverse background, I guess, in the financial world. You've I, you could almost say you've done it all. So. Uh, Tell us a bit about your background and then what led you uh, to become a financial coach and what you do as a coach. Sure, absolutely. Uh, thanks again for having me on today, Ben. You know, I spent 23 years doing what you're doing, you know, as, as a financial planner and absolutely loved what I did as a financial planner, loved my career. But what happened to me back about uh, 12 years ago is yep. I was – deeply troubled by two trends that I saw happening above my own clients. The first trend that I saw happening was a tremendous amount of my clients were coming into my office and either going through serious marital problems or telling me they were getting a divorce and they had to split up their assets. And most of these problems that they were sharing with me related to money and money management. The second trend that I saw happening was a tremendous amount of my clients were coming into my office and pulling money out of their RRSPs to fix the transmission that just went on their car, to, yeah. to fix the roof that went on their on their house, to replace the refrigerator. And as, as we know, here in Canada, an RRSP stands for Registered Retirement Savings Plan. Uh, Phil Medler likes to call it a Registered Rescue Savings Plan. Because seldom do those dollars ever make it to retirement. You know, they're used up well before then. So here I am as a financial planner, and I really realized the job of a financial planner is helping people with tomorrow. 
Okay. And by that, I mean, hey, you know, your conversations that you have with your clients, are you saving for retirement? Do you have life insurance? Are you saving for your children's education? And and what was happening with me is I had these two groups of clients, people whose marriages were in trouble, people who were pulling money out of RSPs that weren't even retired yet. And they were coming to me and they were saying, can you help me? And I really realized the job of a financial planner, again, is helping people with tomorrow, but they were struggling today. So literally one day I turn on the radio, I hear this guy named Dave Ramsey. And the more I listened to Dave, the more he made sense. And where he really made sense to me is when he used to say on the radio, we give you the same advice your grandma used to give. The only (laughs) difference is we keep our teeth in. And I knew that's exactly what I was looking for for my clients is because grandma wasn't broke. When grandma wanted to go on vacation, she saved five years for a vacation. When grandma bought a car, the question grandma asked for a car is how much is the car? The question we ask today is how much a month is the car? That's right. It's a whole different world. So. So, you know, I went through that training um, in Nashville back about 12 years ago. I was the first Canadian to ever go through the coaching training um, through Dave Ramsey and came back kind of doing that as a hobby along with my financial um, um, planning practice. Um, God led me to sell my business. Um, I've been retired now 11 years already. Uh, so I sold, sold my business and all I do is do, uh, do, do coaching, you know, If I had to summarize what I did, as a financial planner, if you ask me what I sold, I sold RSPs and education funds and life insurance. Those are the products that I sold. Today, I sell hope. Um, I sell hope to people that have no hope. That, that feel their situation is hopeless um, financially. And uh, so that's really what I do is I sell hope. In a in a in a financial package, <laughs> which is a good thing to sell because yeah. people need it. Um, yeah. I was fortunate enough back when I started, because um, the industry the industry is changing in some way and kind of waking up to see that hey, holistic financial advice is what's needed, not just product. But I I started in a different wing where um, uh, we were required to take Crown Financial certification before or as a part of the company we worked with and okay. they're very very similar to Dave Ramsey but very much hey what what are you spending today and right. i i can say uh, just attesting to the value of of coaching advice and and for those listening not being afraid to uh get help if you need help on the day to day how do i manage paying off debt how do i get an emergency fund um th- some of our best clients are clients that started off here with zip and, yeah. and it was nothing but a conversation of, listen, here's how to go pay off your debt. And once you do that, let's have another conversation about where we're going to save. And, um, that I say that to say that perspective is so important and it's much more long lasting, right? Cause then. Mm-hmm. When you, I'm sure you have this, Phil. You have people that uh, became a big part of your life as you helped them out of probably one of their hardest times. And those relationships, I'm, I'm sure you, you still have them today. You were the guy that helped yeah. them be able to say they were debt-free and uh, be able to walk them through some of the most stressful times in their life. So it's it's cool and it's meaningful. Yeah. Um, but the, the problem 
I I guess I don't know how you'd phrase this as a problem, but life is so fast right now and it's moving at a million times a minute. And it's sometimes hard to think of, well, how do you, how do you work back to the world grandma lived in? Um, anytime I talk to someone who's in the business of promoting budgeting, I always ask, um, with life so busy now, um, how do you, how do you help people get on or stay on a budget? And what would you say are some keys that you would have to helping people slow down, um, get a budget in place in the first place and actually stick to it? Because that's, that's probably the biggest problem. People have downloaded Quicken. They've downloaded Mint. They've listed all their expenses once. They tried budgeting for a couple of weeks and determined it doesn't work. So what would you say to them? Well, the first thing is, A, you, you absolutely do it. You know, I used to say to my clients um, when I did financial planning, the average couple spends more time planning a one-week vacation than they do their entire financial future. You know, yeah, they, than they do planning their retirement. They'll spend more time planning a one-week tri- trip to Florida than the next 30 years of their life. So, you know, budget budgeting is is essential. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk through kind of six reasons. Um, you know, we make plans for our careers, for our goals, for our holidays, for vacations, and in a million other things. So why aren't we making plans for something that literally touches all the aspects of our life? And that's sure. that's our money. You know, yep. that's what allows us to make those plans. So. Budgeting is, you know, essentially budgeting is simply a plan for your money. You know, you wouldn't set out to build a house and just say, okay, let's dig a hole here. Let's put up some boards. Let's put up some siding. Let's put in some windows without a plan. But we do that with our money every day. We sure. we, we live life without a plan. The second thing is budgeting really puts you in control of your money. Uh, I know it can feel to people like your money is happening to you instead of you are happening to your money. You know, so many people today are living paycheck to paycheck. We know that if if you drive down your street today, anywhere in Essex County, and count 10 homes, seven of them are living paycheck to paycheck. Drive down your street in an affluent neighborhood in Essex County, and eight out of 10 are living paycheck to paycheck. So yep. you you will do one of two things every single month. You will either tell your money where to go or you'll wonder where it went. <laughs> As yep. you can imagine, most people wonder where it went. They get to the end of the month and say, where did it go? Even yep. scarier, you know, when I did my financial planning, I used to sit with couples and, that were in their 50s or 60s and say, hey, I did a quick calculation. You've had $5 million pass through your hands over the course of your working years. Where is it? Where is it? Yeah. You know, they have very little equity, you know, sometimes. Yeah, we, so. actually, we actually give people this now the called a, a – I hate the name of it. It sounds so horrible. A human value calculator. Okay. And it yeah. takes the current income and brings you to 65. And it's it's usually shocking for people yeah. because it's – Usually somewhere between three and ten million dollars. That is, especially in a in a two income house, yeah. and that usually floors people. They're like, I didn't realize, and that's part of the reason some just don't even budget at all. It's like, oh, yeah. we don't even make yeah. enough to care. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Even somebody on a on a like a mid income is probably going to have a few million pass through their hands. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. that's a good point you bring up. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and people sometimes say, you know, it's hard to get ahead, but I say it's not. It's not impossible. You know, it might be hard to get ahead, but it's not. It's not impossible. You know, and really, budgeting takes you from surviving to thriving. It it really does. When you start happening to your money. It, it, it empowers you. You you have a sense of control like you've never you've never felt before. Um, the the third thing um, really is budgeting gives you permission to spend. You know, it gives you permission to spend and save. You know, when you have in your budget that I'm going to put away a hundred dollars a month or a hundred and fifty dollars a month in my RSP or my kids' education, it gives you permission to do that because it's in the budget. But it also gives you permission to spend. Um, so that's another a great point. Um, budgeting is how you reach all your money goals. You know, that's a, that's a fourth point. It, it really is. No matter what your goals are with money, a budget will get you there. It's the foundation for really making these dreams a reality. Yep. Um, so, you know, that's, that's something that the budget really does is it helps you reach that goals. The other thing that I see as a financial coach, Budget budgeting really gives you financial peace. <laughs> it makes you sleep at night. Um, it allows you to sleep at night. Um, you know, like I said, um, you know, it was causing such stress in the marriages of my clients, um, money problems and money pro- money issues. None of those people were doing a budget ever. Right. You know, so it gives you a sense of financial peace like you you've never you've never felt before. The other thing that budgeting does, not only in a marriage, but it can with a single person is budgeting creates accountability. You know, when you're accountable to each other as a husband and wife and you're seeing everything on the budget and this is what we spent on groceries. And yeah, your wife went out and bought a, a present for her sister for her birthday, but that's OK. Gifts were in the budget. You know, you're not hiding things from from each other. Um, For a single person, it's a little tougher, but I really strongly recommend you you get an accountability partner. You know, if you're single and do a budget, get an accountability partner. Don't get your your best friend who also buys 10 pairs of shoes a month. Not a good accountability partner, okay? Because she'll give you permission to buy 10 pairs of shoes a month also, you know? Right. Um, you know, get someone that's going to say, Hey, you can't, you can't do that. You know, it's, it's, it's not in the, in the budget. I think circling back a little bit to what you said, um, I think a a lot of those programs that are out there, Quicken and so on, I'm old school and I use a paper budget for my clients. Um, and it's a, a simple three page paper budget that, once you know how to do it, you can literally do it in about 10 minutes um, because I find that the most effective. I really do compared to any of the online programs. You know, we have uh, every dollar through Dave Ramsey. And to be honest with you, I don't like it. <laughs> um, I like the old school paper budget um, where we, we calculate the actual spent at, at the at the end of each month. Right. Uh, um yeah. So I'll just talk quickly on on how to create a budget and stick to it. You know, yep. uh, number one is is you add up your income. And I mean, by income, everything, whether you're selling stuff at garage sales, whether you have a side hustle while you're doing freelance work, you add up all of that income. OK, you start with the income. 
And your job simply is to spend that income on paper, on purpose, before the month begins. So what is spending our money? That's our expenses. So we yep. start with our income, and then we list all of our expenses, everything. You know, can't forget the little things like haircuts or, um, you know, restaurants or gifts or Christmas or those type of things. So you list you list all your expenses, um, and then what we do is we budget to zero, okay? All the income minus all the expenses must equal zero at the end of the month. Now, that's not saying we bring our bank account down to zero, Okay. Right. But You're we, essentially we, saying every dollar has a, a place to go. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't mean at the end of the month, I'm like, I got 200 bucks. I can't, I should go buy 10 pairs of shoes if, yeah, if yeah, I could exactly. get that for. Yeah. And when we find money in a budget, um, we put it towards what our current money goal is, whether that's saving for retirement or saving for our next vacation or saving up for a car. When we find money in the budget, we have to give that money a name also, you know. Um, so, you know, and the, the fourth thing in doing the budget, again, number one is add your income. Number two, list your expenses. Number three, budget to zero. And the fourth one is track those expenses. Okay, and that's where keeping receipts, good old fashioned keeping receipts, um, come in come in handy. You know, so when I when I have my budget, my clients do a budget for the first month. I tell yep. them, all you did right now is show me what you think is going to happen this month. You have no right. idea. Yep. You're writing down that you're going to spend six hundred dollars for groceries, but you have no idea if it's going to be six hundred dollars for groceries. So I want you to keep all your grocery receipts this month. Then at the end of the month, we add it up and we say, oh, I really spent $630 for, for groceries this month. OK, yeah. so there has to be some accountability there in terms of tracking expenses. You know, a budget's no good if we don't know what the reality of it was. Right. Yep. So those are the, really the, the four things in, in, in budgeting. Um, I, I can answer how to stick to a to a budget as well. As well, you know, I have a few points on how how we really stick to a budget. Yeah, so let's let's go to that because that because um, I think part of this, I think you've answered some tips for starting out. Uh, writing it down, um, it definitely helps you. The at the very least, whatever tool people wind up using. Um, even in the beginning, whether they write it down forever or not, what I'm saying is it causes you to slow down for a minute. And, yeah. um, it's, it's almost easy now because even, uh, even some good banks now have stuff where it's automatically categorizing all of your expenses and giving you that every month. But sometimes a lot of data quickly doesn't help us slow down and see it. Um, so on that sticking to a budget, I think to, um, and maybe you can speak to this and answer this question at the same time, but we're finding a lot of young people that when you mentioned the idea of hope, um, the idea of starting a budget when all of your goals seem so far out of reach now, like getting 5% down on a house now is almost the equivalent of what used to be 20 or even 30% down. Um, so, on the idea of getting and sticking to a budget, um, I remember we talked to, uh, who's a CEO of a, a company called YNAB and, uh, it's a, it simply means you need a budget. And his budget started out 
or his program started out as an Excel sheet that he used simply because he's like, Hey, I, I realized that my, my goals are where my values lie. And I just want to make sure that my money's going towards where I say I value. And as that was his, that was his reason. Um, and that, that started a whole program. And so if your value or your, your goal, biggest goal is to, to say, get a house, um, if you're 18 or 19 and you're looking at starting a budget, you might say to yourself, well, what's even the point? Because I'm so far away from that. Um, so maybe address that too. And then the whole sticking to the, the plan, sticking to the budget, some tips that you have for that. Yeah. You know, the housing industry has gone crazy over the last few years and, and a lot of couples you know, walk through that and say, yeah, our individual, I'll never be able to buy a house now, you know, and and obviously a home purchase is the biggest financial decision you'll make with in your life. And it can be the biggest mistake that you ever make in your life also. And, uh, you know, pressure in our society today is you've been, you've been married for 10 minutes already. It's time to buy a house. You know, (laughs) you know, as opposed to renting for a while and building up a good down payment. So I think in terms of housing itself and how how that kind of relates to to budget, I think the first thing is you got to decide you're ready to buy Um, and being ready to buy. And we'll 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 go on to the baby steps in in a minute um, really is that you're debt free. And and that's such a hard pill to swallow. Like, wait, what do you mean? I got to get rid of my car payment first. Um, yeah, yeah, I really believe you need to be debt free and you need to have a fully funded emergency fund, uh, equal to three to six months expenses because this is, this is essential to walk into, you know, that big step of home ownership is that you're debt free. Um, and you, you have that emergency fund because you know, and I know, you know, the, the, the refrigerator will not die when there's lots of money in the bank account. The refrigerator dies when there's no money in, in the bank account. Yeah. And yeah. I've yet to meet a person whose furnace died in June. It dies <laughs> the coldest day of January, and you've yeah. got to get it fixed. Now, all of a sudden, in home ownership, as opposed to renting, these are now your responsibility. You're not calling your landlord up and saying, hey, by the way, my family's cold. The furnace isn't working. You've got to have the money to fix that. And if you have debt going into that situation already, a car payment, student loan, everything, you're just adding to that and compounding it. And you wake up one day in your 40s or 50s and say, how did we end up with $80,000 in consumer debt? Well, it's kind of like um, just listening to the budget coming out without any political affiliation, pro or con. One of the one of the comments that I've been reading is, okay, well, whether the budget's good enough or not, the government of Canada is slowly losing their purchasing power because rates are going up, the deficit's increasing, and every day they come to the every new year they come to the table, they've got this increasing amount of money they can't spend anymore on things to help people. They need to take our tax dollars and and service the debt they have and. Really, that's it's the same idea coming into to a house or into a situation where there is debt. If you if you're living in a situation where a really high amount of your income is just going to service a payment, then you really mm-hmm. can't afford anything to go yeah. wrong. And yeah. that's that's one of the problems I think our, our 
governments run into, right? Is we're probably heading into a pretty, pretty slow time or a recession or we're in the middle of one. And that's exactly what you're saying. The government's furnace is not going to break when, uh, you know, in the last decade where things have been running up, it's going to break when things aren't great. And you're already committed so much of your money to just paying that payment. So I think what you're saying is, it frees your cash flow up for an emergency to come up without you being floored by it. Yeah. And, and my second point that kind of relates to that is figure out how much house you can afford. You know, um, we teach that your housing costs should be no more than 25% of your take home pay. So that mortgage and property taxes should not exceed 25% of your, your take home pay. So, you know, I would tell my clients, you can buy any house you want as long as you it, it falls in that parameter, you know, that 25% of your take-home pay. Um, where people get into trouble on housing is when it's 35 40% of their take-home pay is going to housing alone. Um, sure. Saving up for that down payment. I know it's hard, but, you know, I recommend saving 20%, you know, trying to come up with 20% down. If you're a first-time home buyer, I'm a little – more flexible in terms of, of that, but for anyone else, they ought to have a 20% uh, down payment. Um, you know, next thing is just getting pre-approved. You know, I've, I've heard horror stories of people going out and putting offers on homes and yeah. all of a sudden realizing that they didn't qualify. Um, so, you know, getting dotted, dotting your I's and crossing your T's to make sure you, before you even go shopping that, you have been pre-approved for a mortgage, and that mortgage payment on that house would be no more than 25% of your, your take-home pay. Right. Um, you know, go go house hunting when you're at that point. You know, work with a, a professional agent and, and kind of list the things of the must-haves in that house and, and um, you know, discuss them with that agent and a list of the things that would kind of be nice. Yeah. Uh, but that budget, that budget, that 25% housing cost is going to dictate, do I get the nice things that I would really like in the house or just the must-haves? Yep. You know? And I think that's something that is is hard to swallow, swallow for some is that uh, it's okay. Um, money's such a status symbol, right? So when you're looking around, and um, I, I think it was C, CIBC – I can't remember. Um, they put a stat out last year. Um, it was, I think it was in a National Post article, two sightings that I, I, I don't know if this, those are actually the right ones. Um, but in the recent years for, for homes, parents have been lending their children money to help mm-hmm. with a down payment. The average amount in Canada that parents have been giving kids to buy a house is $150,000. Mm-hmm. So, when you're looking at, around at all your friends and saying, well, they bought that house and I need to get that house too. You have no idea if they owe mom 150. That's the average is 150. So yeah. I think yeah. the idea being that, you know, I don't really care what my friend has, right? This is what I can afford. I, my parents may have had two cars. I don't, maybe I don't need two cars right away. Like being able to be okay with the fact that I'm not going to get married or go out on my own as a single person and day one have everything mom and dad did that took them maybe 40, 50 yeah. years to work yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah. And the sad thing about what you just said is three months later, mom and dad are calling me up 
because they're in a tr- they're in trouble. They're they're hurting financially. And I say, what's going on here? You're you're 60 years old. What's going on? Well, we lent $150,000 to our kids. We took out a mortgage on the house to help them buy a house. Now mom and dad are struggling, yeah. you know, because mom and dad really weren't in a financial position to be able to afford to do that, but they did it. Now we've got two people that are mismanaging money. we got the kids, okay, and we got mom and dad that the kids don't know mom and dad are calling Phil Medler up and saying, we're in trouble now. Can you help us? Right. Yeah. <laughs> So that leads us to it's a good idea to have some sort of plan. And I have to say this as an advisor. I'm not so much endorsing, recommending or saying this is the only plan. We're not allowed to do that, but we're we're getting getting some sort of structure is important. And that's really what so many people know Dave Ramsey for is the uh, Ramsey Solutions baby step plan mm-hmm. um, again. I can't say it's the end and be all. You're more than welcome to as it goes with them. Um, but I can say this, that um, if people would follow these principles, they would be far, far, far better off. And uh, it's it's a lot easier uh, to work with someone who's not stressed out about money and who's in a much better position than when uh, the the world's falling apart. These baby steps can definitely help people do that. And, and there's a lot of the principles here that mimic what I learned at Crown and that are part of our, of, of our recommendations to people as well. So why don't you walk us through the Ramsey Solutions baby step plan on, on how you guys recommend people kind of get into financial yeah. shape? Sure. Yeah. I, I like to say, forget everything that you know about money management plans. You know, with with the baby steps, you don't need a degree in finance to to take control over over your money. Um, anyone can do it. With with each step, you change how you handle money, and little by little, you you change your life. You know that we teach that handling money is only twenty percent knowledge and eighty percent behavior. It has sure. nothing to do with how smart you are. It has everything to do with how you behave with money. So the the baby steps really are this process by which you learn how to behave with money. Um, there are seven baby steps. Baby step number one is having a thousand dollars in an emergency fund, and that that's so critical. Um, I make my clients come up with that in two weeks, or I won't even work with them as a client. So they got to come up with a thousand dollars in an emergency fund within two weeks. They sell some stuff. They have a garage sale. Do whatever it takes to come up with that money. Why in the world do we need an emergency fund? Here's why we need an emergency fund. Today in Canada, when the transmission goes on your car, you instantly have two problems. You've got a transmission problem and a money problem. Why? Because you don't happen to have a spare transmission sitting in your garage. And second of all, we know with everyone living paycheck to paycheck, they don't have the cash. They got a credit card, but they don't have the cash. When the roof goes on their house, they instantly have two problems. They got a money problem and a roof problem. Okay. Yep. When, when I have an emergency, when my transmission goes on my car, I'm not happy. I don't have a party about it, but I only have a transmission problem. Right. I don't have a transmission problem and a and money, money problem. So the emergency fund, having that baby step number one, you tick it off, you, you get a thousand dollars. Baby step number two is something called the debt snowball. And that's the process by which we pay off all our debts 
from smallest to largest. Yep. And we work like crazy people. We sell stuff. We get a side hustle. We do whatever it takes to, to get that done. Right now, the average client I'm working with is paying off between twenty dollars and $25,000 worth of debt in three months. And I'm seeing that consistently across the board, those numbers. Um, so, you know, working that debt snowball, and it gives you small little victories, and it gives you that hope. It's like, oh, man, I, I got rid of that credit card one. I'm going to work on the next biggest one. I got that one done. And, and you're seeing these incremental victories that are, that are so important. Once we're, we paid off all our debt, not including the mortgage, okay, yep. then we circle back to baby step number three, which is the fully funded emergency fund. And the fully funded emergency fund is equal to three to six months of basic expenses. Those basic expenses, what we call the four walls. And the four walls, I use the acronym STUF, S-T-U-F. Okay. So we have enough money for S, shelter, T, transportation, U, utilities, and F, food. Okay, so we, we look at our monthly budget and say, what does it cost me a month for shelter, transportation, utilities, and food? And we build that up to three to six months worth of that expense to have for that emergency fund. Once you're at baby step three, all of a sudden an emergency goes from a crisis to an inconvenience. And it's amazing how that feels different for Sue and I when we only have an inconvenience and not a crisis. Okay. And that's well, it lets you make a better decision too, right? Because then you're not so stressed out about what you do and how you do it. Yeah. So baby step four is when, you know, we work with clients and we turn them over to a financial planner at this point and say, okay, we want you to start saving 15% of your income for retirement or for the future. <clears throat> they're a much better client then because now they don't have any debt outside their mortgage. Right. So, you know, they're working on putting 15% away for retirement, which is baby step four. Baby step number five is saving for your college education, for your kid's college education. Now, for everyone, that's a different number, you know, yep. and it's a different percentage. We did not have a goal as parents of paying for 100% of our kid's education. We paid, when I look back, we paid for very little of our kids' education. They had to pay for most of it themselves or get scholarships or that type of thing. So, sure. you know, saving saving for your kids' education. Um, baby step number six is, is paying off the house early. You know, what are aggressive methods that I can use to pay off that house early? Going on weekly payments as opposed to monthly payments. You know, adding, increasing your, your mortgage by 10% a month if you can do that. All these things, these strategies to pay off early. Baby step number seven, the final baby step is build wealth and I like to say give lots of it away. (laughs) So, you know, building wealth and, and that's such a fun state to be at. You know, but here's what we really teach, though. Baby step one, two and three must be done first before you do the other baby step. You must be done baby step one, two and three. A thousand dollars in an emergency fund, paying off your debt um, through the debt snowball and having a fully funded emergency fund. Once you do that, the other ones can be done concurrently. You can be saving for retirement, and your kids education at the same time. But um it just gives you a sense of purpose when you have to follow the baby steps. It's like, okay, what baby step am I on and where where should my money go? Yep. 
And that's that's half of the battle is direction, right? Because that's that's part of the reason why um, li- um, I think the the budget has to include that direction because it gives you if you don't have purpose, none of it makes any kind of sense at all. And that's why so often I think your money just tells you where your values lie. And if you wake up and find and your budget tells you whether or not you're tells you what you're really valuing. Like you can say that this is what we're planning to do and this is what we think is important, but how you spend your money is kind of the cold hard truth on, well, no, you, you said you valued being debt free or you said you valued being able to save for X, Y, Z, but in fact you didn't. Um, and that's, I think the other thing that's important too is you're not an idiot for messing this up. Meaning if you don't have a plan, um, like you were saying before, no no house is built without a blueprint. No business is run without some sort of financial department watching how things are getting spent. So it's not a you shouldn't look at yourself and say, well, man, I, I'm an idiot for not having all this money saved because that's a lot of times why people don't even start at all. They just feel mm-hmm. a lot of shame around the fact that, well, how did we mismanage this much money? Um, the better question is, well, how did how did you how did you manage it all when you had no plan? Um, mm-hmm. So getting started and having something to shoot for, like these baby steps, I always tell people like, just embrace the fact that we're kind of like kids. We just get older. Like we need little things to encourage us to do something. So mm-hmm. this plan simplicity is part of what makes it so good. It's they're attainable goals. They're understandable. And you, like you were saying, you don't have a degree to do them. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody's in a lot of mess and wants to get some help, what's the best way for someone to go about uh, getting coaching if uh, they wanted something like that? Yeah, well, we, we do what's called an initial consultation. Okay. And, you know, I would email them. They would reach out to me. I would email them. Uh, these forms that, that they would complete as an individual or a husband and wife, um, you know, they, they would complete these forms and we would set up a time to do that initial, um, consultation. Um, I'm going to do this for your, uh, listeners. Uh, if you go through DaveRamsey.com and book that initial consultation, it's $175. I will give, um, anyone that as a gift. That initial consultation. So if any of your, your, um, your clients want to do that initial consultation, that'll be, um, my gift, my gift to them. We'll spend about an hour and a half either in person. If they're here in Essex County, vast majority of my coaching is done, uh, virtual like this. Um, and, um, we just unpack, we unpack their, their current situation and say, okay, how did we get to where we are today? Whether yeah. that be good, bad, or indifferent, and then how do we move from where we are today? Um, and change is hard, um, you know. Yeah. But uh, the people that are in a, a, a real mess, what I want to see is if they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. If they're sick and tired of being sick and tired, I can help them. If they're healthy, if they're happy in their mess, I probably can't help them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because a, bu- a budget doesn't make more money appear. It, no, 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 no. You're gonna. No. It doesn't take the fact that it, it's gonna be. It's gonna yeah. be some work. Yeah. And, and um, again, you know, the whole focus of what we do is in the coaching is really changing people's behavior with money. My yeah. goal is to not give them money knowledge because that doesn't work. <laughs> 
Yeah, you got it. It's actually one thing I was saying this before in our conversation. The industry has picked up on. In fact, in I'm in the I'm in the middle of uh, well, I guess I would be three quarters of the way done uh, of the work for the CFP designation. Hopefully that all goes fine and tests and exams are done well. But one of the things they've added to it is a behavioral finance component because they're, they're realizing that financial advisors need to be equipped to deal with um, just how people behave has so much to do with money and changing that is, is a, is a massive, massive thing. It's a, actually there's a book I'm reading now. Um, love it. It's called the psychology of money. And that's basically the, the point that it makes is a lot of us, we, uh, the decisions we make on money aren't usually incredibly like we may have financial backgrounds. We may do a lot of studying, but a lot of a lot of how we do with our money isn't in the technical side of our, our vast mm-hmm. knowledge. It's just how we behave every day. Um, so listeners, you can also head uh, a book to read if you want to know more about this philosophy and the idea is the total money makeover by Dave Ramsey. Mm-hmm. Um, if you haven't heard of it, I, I'd have a hard time believing that most people have. It's a pretty popular book, but it really breaks down the reasons why this plan can be incredibly meaningful for people. And, uh, it, it helps start shifting and changing your mindset on money. So we'd encourage you to use that as well and feel free to reach out to Phil. Um, if you need more personalized help, um, Phil, it's been great to have you on the podcast. Oh, it's been, been, been really there. helpful. Yeah, yeah. And, and like I said, we, we, I sell hope. So if you feel your situation today is, is hopeless and you just, you need a second set of eyes to look at your, your current situation, um, I would, I would love the opportunity to help you. Fantastic. Well, Phil, thanks again for joining us. Thank, thank you. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal, financial, or professional advice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of Sterling Mutuals, Inc. Mutual funds and ETFs provided through Sterling Mutuals, Inc. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the fun facts before investing. Mutual funds are not guaranteed, their values change frequently, and past performance may not be repeated.